Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. WMR.FM. It's the 8th of February, 2024. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And we're joined today, this is really cool, we're joined today by Tony Wright, founder and CEO of Wright IMC. Tony's based in Allen, Texas, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's a north end of uh, north end of Dallas. And Tony's been uh, part of the SEO family as long as I can remember. <laughs> now, now, his bio reads... And I quote, with more than 15 years of hands-on and strategic experience in interactive marketing and a background in traditional and interactive public relations and journalism, Tony Wright has spent his career helping companies of all sizes be profitable online. And I dispute that because, Tony, I think I have pictures of you at conferences that are older than 15 yeah, years old. Yeah, that, 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 number, that number needs to be uh, updated, probably. <laughs> I'm trying to stay young as, as, any way I can. Oh, uh, well, you know, the uh, constant march of time. Uh, you're saying <laughs> this on a uh, 17-year-old podcast in a industry that is, um, you know, one of the neat things about this this group, the three of us, is we've grown up in an industry that um, we've been through its infancy, its um, adolescence, and now we're growing into uh, maturity that's becoming very different than um, its infancy and adolescence. Yes, that's very true. Very true. It's a it's it's amazing to see to look back and see the tactics we used to use versus what works today. So, oh, absolutely, and you know, it's it's kind of amazing to look back at the environment we used to work in and what we used to see coming as the future, and look at what is unfolding in front of us right now. For instance, Google's very own research into um into AI sort of set the stage for all the others, Microsoft and uh, uh, Twixter and uh, uh, all the uh, all the other uh, LLMs to sort of dip into and to copy and in some cases exceed. Now we're at a point where web users, I'm seeing this myself all the time, um, aren't sure what is and isn't real. So to deal with this, a concept called... Um, Content authority, the, the, the content, or oh, sorry, content authenticity, um, and content credentials have come along. And uh, Google has um, committed in, uh, in in two cases specifically to um, making it easier to understand if uh, an image or a uh, a video have been um, deepfaked. Yeah, the content uh, authenticity is actually the under the purview of the Coalition for Content Provenance and Authenticity, the CT, C2PA, which is the standard now that um, <laughs> companies like Adobe, Intel, Microsoft, OpenAI, Google are all moving towards. And it, it puts it in the metadata that puts this information in the metadata, like when it was created, uh, where it was created, there's a whole bunch of specifications. And they say it's tamper-proof, but I will be at DEF CON this 
Well, and I will tell you if it's actually tamper-proof or not. And I, I'll bet you that, like, all the 4chan proofs is not tamper-proof by the time we're done the next sentence. <laughs> Probably. I, it, it I is haven't that, seen it any tamper-proof things lately. No, no I haven't either. Um, the, CT, the C2PA is at c2pa.org, and you can actually take images there and check them yourself if you want to. This is like so, C3PO's, like, prudish, prudish grandpa yeah, parent, right? Yeah. <laughs> But remember when we talked about Google labeling and search that they were going to label images that were created by AI? Well, this is going to what they're going to use to do that. And now that all these companies are coming online to label their images, then they will be able to, to you know, do a lot more with it. So that's really good. And I have a theory that if you start seeing the AI images all the time like we have, can't you kind of tell you guys when you see an AI image like you can kind of tell? I like sometimes I I'm questioning everything now. Uh, a, a weird, a weird um, trace of light. The look of the neck is a little bit weird. Um, yeah. You look at the hands all the time, and everything is getting questioned. And I'm telling it, it's annoying. Well, and the reason that they're doing this is exactly what you said. The reason that they're doing this is because um, they're worried about people not believing anything they see online anymore. Now, OpenAI is doing this. Yeah, <laughs> OpenAI is doing this as well, but OpenAI is only limiting it to uh, to photos. Not text or video, not at this time. Much but too it, much to the celebration of college students everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Well, so Dolly yeah. Dolly three is getting this technology, and uh, Google uh, Google's also going to get this technology. Adobe already has this technology, so it should it should help. I think if you we're really good as humans at pattern recognition, so I think you may not detect everything, but you'll detect enough maybe to be. I better check this out. Well, yeah. at the very least, as I understand it, aren't they implanting metadata in every image that, like, um, un unchangeable metadata? This was created by AI. It was created yeah. on such, such a date using such and such a technology and by, oh, this person? Yeah, the only problem is if you screenshot it, of course, it doesn't transfer. And visible watermark, because Dali's going to also add a visible watermark mm -hmm. to theirs as well. It's not there yet. Um, that will eliminate it. But it will at least help, I think. I said, I think it'll just help train humans on what AI looks like and it won't stop it all the time, but it might make a lot of people after they get used to it. Cause you're, my brain does this. Now. I go look at something. I go, gosh, that looks like AI. I better go check that out. So I think it might become a good signal for people to maybe just be prompted to check something before they share it. Uh, like, you know, when Taylor Swift's naked photos went out a week ago or two. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I, don't, I wouldn't know anything about that. Don't think people were doing <laughs> a lot of checking on authenticity. No, there. Um, they definitely were not. Poor, poor thing. But, um, but anyway, so I do think this is a really positive step in AI regulation. I, I, I really not hope regulation, self, self regulation. I should say. I, I really yeah. hope that that that. I mean, I can already think of you know just the way you described it. How I would, how I could already get a photo out, strip out that metadata, and and of course remove a watermark. Uh, which is anybody with that's decent at Photoshop can do pretty in in a lot of in a lot of ways, but the, um, the metadata they said is going to be really hard to remove. But if you screenshot it, then it's removed. So yeah, yeah. obviously. But but uh, but yeah, I'm sure there are people will come up with tools like strip the metadata. But I still I st I don't see that it's going to stop bad people from doing bad things, or it's going to just stop you know from being shared or anything because people will screenshot it. But I do think it'll help train our brains to better recognize it and to ask questions when we see something that, that our brain goes, oh, that's not quite right. Hands are a little off. The skin's kind of plasticine. The veins in the neck seem to really be like sharp. The, you ever notice that in the, in the neck where the, where the skin 
like my fold, you know, an older person, like it'll be super sharp. Like it could cut something. So I, I, I hope over time it'll, it'll help people at least recognize some and, and maybe not just share everything off the bat. Well, an, another aspect or kind of an aspect to this story that, that actually Tony turned us on to just as we were going to air, apparently uh, earlier today, the FCC outlawed AI-generated voice and robocalls, um, yeah. obviously amid concerns about the, the upcoming election. Well, and also because they just had a robocall go out that was um, uh, was President Biden's and fake, it was a fake President Biden. Also, I don't know if this will apply to this, but hopefully it does. There's this horrible scam going around where if they can find your voice like ours right now, all three of us, they only need three seconds of voice to mimic us. And they're calling families and telling families that they've been, they've been kidnapped or harmed or need to send money or something. So families really should have a safe word so that that, that can't happen to them. But I, I imagine this law can be used also in some way against that because right now there wasn't any law that was prohibiting. I mean, except if you took the money and then that's a crime, but. Sure. And I mean, the robocall industry is, you know, that whole industry is uh, kind of a little bit hackerish in and of itself. And they're going to be, you know, experimenting and, and trying things regardless of what the laws are. And, and, and I, you know, I've, unfortunately I've seen how well the FCC can enforce things, which is not that great. So, uh, I don't expect this to have a huge, huge impact on the reality, but it will at least give you, if you can find it, you know, there's always those guys that are making money off of uh, calls that are going through the do not call list. So maybe you can get some money from those companies too, uh, who are creating those fake robocalls. And as a professor when I was in college used to say, locks only keep honest people honest. So like that FCC ruling won't stop the bad guys. 99% of the time, but it will keep companies that want to stay in business and not have FCC issues <laughs> a little more in line, a little more on the side of doing things the right way instead of well, mimicking and, somebody's voice. And the important thing is it helps define what is the right and wrong way, um, whether that's yes. enforceable or not. I don't know, but, um, you know, we, 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 we work in an industry that strives to, quote unquote, do things the right way, even as we look for workarounds all the time, right? <laughs> Who us? Never. <laughs> we play it within the rules of the game. Not everybody, but I know us, so you do. Um, I do as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. Us three. One last story connecting these things sort of together that really frightens me. And this this is this is the the the, the, the one that actually puts a chill up my spine. OpenAI announced that it's developing software that operates devices and automates tasks. Yeah. So it can, you know, potentially open a can of soup. <laughs> Once it can open a can of soup, people are doomed. Well, I think right now it's just on your on like devices that are digital. So I think we're okay with the can of soup right now. I mean I mean it can't get the can of soup. Well, hey, if you can if you can use three million toothbrushes to DDoS something, I, I assure you, uh, so somebody has the, made a smart can opener. But I'll use the appropriate words here so you don't get in any trouble. But I sat in a talk in DEF CON like five years ago about how to use your adult toys to, to hack systems. Oh, you mean so. you could use a dildo to F somebody that way? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because most of they, they, they charge, right? A lot of people use their computers to charge them. And they didn't have any security on them, which is actually a big thing about like IoT security, right? You want to make sure your Internet of Things has security on it. A lot of it doesn't. But but this when is you try to top rated show, yeah. <laughs> So so um, okay, can I say what it was? It's not actually of a dildo. It was a butt plug. 
and so oh. but it could be through those two. So it charged through a USB on the computer if you wanted it to. I don't want to know what people are doing, but anyway, they're sitting uh, right ne on their desk next to them. Yeah, you know, they, apparently they can take it. It can help you adjust. Apparently, yeah. Well, they you know might be watching adult films, but anyway, so so the they found that they could bypass the security. There's no security, and they could get use it to get into the the system because they had a Bluetooth. They could use it to get into people's Wi-Fi and to get into their entire networks. So it was a fascinating talk. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. It's uh, it's uh, butt, butt plug hacking. I think is part of the name. <laughs> I, I don't want that in my. So I, I make sure you're incognito when you do that. <laughs> so so the toothbrush thing is newish, but it's not new because like I said, this is about five years ago, four or five years ago when this was a talk. I actually sat through the talk. It was quite interesting. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, need, we, we definitely need a we definitely need laws outlawing. Butt plugs from uh, <laughs> sites. So I I am all for whatever laws are against the, uh, those particular uh, tools. Honey, what what happened? My butt plug got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm sure there's the FCC is um, interested in outlawing that as well. If uh, again, <laughs> no idea how they'll enforce. It's it. actually, I mean, it is against the law to hack it because you're using it in the networks and everything. But it is one of the funniest talks I've seen at DEF CON. <laughs> So. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm going I'm to go back to the the idea that it actually really does frighten me that um, AI is um, going is going to be made capable of making decisions, completing tasks, evaluating um, yeah. success, its successes, and such. Um, one way you might be able to notice how, the efficacy of it is um by looking at everything google so another announcement that uh google's um <laughs> google made this week this, this has been an insanely busy week for the news um bard's dead bard is yesterday's news and gemini gemini's it yeah gemini is I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Jim. I'm Terrible name. I mean, followers of astrologer will know Gemini's will, will, will be really cool to you on one side and then stab you on the other. <laughs> um, you know, you yeah. know, it's 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 what they called the project when they launched it last year. So it doesn't surprise me, but they're doing that thing like Microsoft does. It's just gonna be called Gemini Everywhere, which is just gonna confuse people. Like co-pilot yeah, now. Yeah. Google's naming Google's taking products, pulling pulling them out and then renaming them is one of my big pet peeves over the years. It's just because it, it, it you know, they, it looks like they're taking, getting rid of a product, but they're actually just adding it into something else, et cetera. But, you know, just a, a rename of Bard to Gemini. Why? What, what is the, you know, did they do market testing to see that Gemini is a, is more uh, uh, a, a better word for this? I don't know. It's interesting. Probably to not. Understand there. <laughs> I don't have much faith in the CEO of doing that. I can but, assure you, as this show goes along, we're going to have quite a bit to say about the way Google uses words and um, yes. the importance <laughs> of of being accurate with the way uh, we, we we name things. Yeah. Um, but this is this is actually kind of neat, and um, Gemini is going to be part of any any Google app. Like like we said earlier, just like Microsoft is doing by um, throwing ChatGPT into. F into every Microsoft product, Google's doing the same thing. So, um, Google Docs and uh, uh, Gmail and um, 
spreadsheets, etc. Anything you use will have uh, Gemini baked into it. What it's going to yeah, do depends on how much you pay for it. Sure. You can pay $20 a month and get the upgraded version or you can get it for free. So the free version um, basically drools and the $20 <laughs> a month version does what for you? So wait, now I'm going to pay $20 a month for ChatGPT, $20 a month for Google, and then 20 what is it's I know it's, 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 it's like streaming services versus yeah, cable, yeah. eh? Exactly. Oh my gosh, we're, we're Nick. Go ahead, Tony. I apologize. I'm just saying it's it's just like it's just like television. It's just like the fall of the television world is is happening right before our eyes because of too much the streaming services cost, and this is the same type of thing. They just nickel and dime you to death. Exactly, um, exactly. I think I wrote about that like a decade and a half ago when they first started going to SaaS tools and SaaS software. That's like you you really this isn't really a good thing. So you're gonna wind up with like a thousand dollar a month in nickel and dime costs. Yep. So yeah, yeah so yeah, so but uh, but yes, Bard and and Bard is actually so it's not um it's mostly a rename but uh, reading MIT's review on it that it is it is not simply a rename. So uh, Gemini is a multimodal, more advanced product than Bard was. So they are um they are actually it is actually changing. But I, I just don't get this whole new thing about Microsoft and Google naming the product one thing through everything. Because it's like, where did you? Where's Copilot? I don't know. It's, it's in search. Uh, well, it's in my. It's in my Microsoft Word. It's in my. Oh, well, it's in my. Like it's not. They're not cohesive enough as individual products to to have that thread run through everything. I don't yeah. think. Sometimes I wonder if it's because we're so immersed in the field, we absolutely obsess on what every component is named, and I think the marketing departments at both Microsoft and Google are just throwing their hands up in the air going, you know what, most of these people aren't going to get it. We'll just name it Fred. <laughs> and they'll be fine. Fred might be better. Fred might be a better name. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, no. Okay, so that was Gemini. And again, I thought just, just to make it work, honest to goodness, I'd recommend paying them 20 bucks a month. Um, you'll probably get faster speed. You'll certainly get uh, greater capacities. And um, you'll likely be put higher in the priority order. Um, You're also going to get access, they say, to workspace at some point, not just yet. Do we so know if there's going to be an API on on it coming out? I did not. I did not see them mention the API. In I was wondering how much that Yeah, I think there's going to have to be. Um, mostly because Google is reorganizing itself. Google is looking at a future where. Search isn't going away. Search is always going to be an important part of how we find order and stuff on on, on the web. But it mightn't be the primary way we, we navigate the web in the future. So Google wants to remain relevant and it wants to like, you know, interface with other people's websites and do stuff on behalf of other people through their website, mostly so it can steal their traffic and, and information. So I'm positive it's going to be an <laughs> API for a whole bunch of uh google's um ai off ai offerings this is a story in wired magazine this or uh wired.com this week um we should read the title of that story google prepares for a future where search is in king in which uh ceo sundar uh, pichai tells wired that google's new more powerful gemini chatbot is an experiment in offering users ways to get things done without a search engine yeah 
Now, it does go on to say later in the article that he's not talking about eliminating search, but... Well, you can't. You always need to know where a stick of butter is or how much it costs or whatever. Well, I I might... Yeah, good. Oh, I was just saying, we've had encyclopedias and things like that for, what, centuries now? Mm -hmm. And we still still use one. Yeah, so I don't know that it'll go away, but I don't know that Google search is going to be the thing. I think... Um, think, The legal ramifications of just even uh, all of AI. I mean, uh, I'm actually giving a presentation. um, I'll give a little little plug, a presentation at PubCon um, next month about um, the legal legal issues within AI. And uh, there are hundreds of lawsuits. It's hard to even keep up with all the lawsuits that ChatGPT has going against it right now, from Getty Images to New York Times, everyone where they're – because – they're st- they're stealing, you know, they're taking that data and using it for training, and then all of a sudden, the New York Times isn't getting any of the any of the benefit from from the information that they put out there. Obviously, you know that's been happening with knowledge graphs for for years, but this is even more invasive, in my opinion, to to publishers, and they're going to fight it. And I think that there a lot of them are going to win. I think that that was about the only thing I can think of that's really going to slow this stuff down, and they'll still get ways around it. But it's definitely a um, a legal, I think, a legal problem that Google has to uh, be really nervous about because uh, if all of a sudden the, the the law says that you have to cite every cite everywhere you got this information, can ChatGPT and Gemini or Bard or whatever you're calling it next week, are they going to be able to to handle that? Are they going to you know? Um, and what is that going to look like? I think there's just a lot of unknowns still from a legal. It, then there, we don't have any cases of precedent. We don't. We don't know what the what the law is going to say in the United States or Canada or or anywhere around the world. And it, we could have you know different things going on there. So that's kind of my uh, my thing about uh, how fast it's going to grow. I think it's going to slow down just because the it's going to get stuck in the legal world. I completely and, agree. We've talked about that, Tony. Where. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to overstep oh, you. Cut out for a second. Um, the 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 lawsuits, like those who don't know, the New York Times lawsuit isn't asking for a specific amount of money. They're asking that if they find for them, that they destroy anything built on that training, which would include ChatGPT, that would include Copilot. Uh, and if they win, that would set precedent. Now I don't know that the courts are going to, you know, go to that dramatic end, but they did, in my opinion, they did steal. And uh, they are they do face a lot of issues. And the first one I think that's going to be most telling will be the Getty Images case. Yeah. Because for those that don't know, Getty's logo is literally in the photos, not all the photos, but a bunch of the photos. So they can literally show that they stole it. And then in the New York Times case, uh, OpenAI like slam New York Times, but this is a true thing. New York Times found out that you can get it to recreate poems exactly. So it's a large language model, so it's supposed to, re- for those who don't know, it's supposed to rewrite everything with the most probabilistic word based on what it was trained on, not regurgitate information like a search engine. But apparently, all the poetry it chain- trained on, uh, New York Times paid really good engineers, and they figured out that you could pull the poems straight out, which shows that they lifted them. So it's because uh, they're word for word the same. So well, it, Also, it, uh, Brown, uh, the, the, the many poems have only ever been written the same way ever, ever, but they've been reproduced a gajillion times. So statistically, that is the way it's supposed to be written. Yeah, but the LLM should still rewrite it. It doesn't write it exactly as it was written. Mm-hmm. Just like the just like the same text, you know, for heart attack is the same thing almost everywhere. But uh, so it's the LLM is supposed to rewrite it. Um, so 
the LLMs didn't. So in the New York Times case, the OpenAI slammed New York Times uh, saying in court that they they did manipulate OpenAI or something. And New York Times is like, dude, it's all we did is do a prompt and we were able to pull it out. So so we'll see. You're right, Tony. We'll see where it goes. That's going to be the big thing. The other thing I think is going to be the big indicator on where this goes is cost. Like Bing, ha Bing got no real market share, but 14% increased usage, and it's cost them a massive amount of money. And Google is firing, laying off. Oh. 25,000 employees and uh, the CEO is quoted as saying mostly so he can put that money towards AI and machine right. learning. And this is so, why you're going to have a subscription model for anything that possibly moves with AI on the web in the future. Well, true, it's, it's, but the amounts of money to get into this is, are just insane that, to really, you know, build something. Like, do you, do you guys remember, do you guys remember when Mark Zuckerberg told his staff to move fast and break things? Yes. Yes. You know, you know why he told him to do that? Does it cost us? No, because by the time it got to court, it would be a moot point. Oh, yeah, but this is different. There's no case law here. I know. This is all precedent. And by the time this gets settled, the rubble, I mean, like, you, that's great. You're king of – New York Times wins the case. That's wonderful. It's king of a big pile of rubble. Well, that's no, the little, That's the action plan. There's a little difference, though. So if they win, let's say it's three years from now, and they continue to build on that original training – then they could lose everything. So they know they most sure. likely won't lose in court. So they're going to have to change their game plan. They won't be able to just do what they did because all these lawsuits but are going to make they, them have but to. But what like they did, Adobe, they've done. Well, that's yeah, the, they, they, that's the point. What they did, they've done. They may have to change right. in the future, certainly. But they could have to destroy everything built on that. We told Microsoft buys the New York Times just to get rid of it. Yeah, that's what the New York Times, that's their ask. Their ask is anything trained on the stolen material gets yeah, destroyed. And that's that given how much of the business world, how much of the social world, how much of just the world is depending on that product that trained on that stuff. It's never going to happen. Just not going to happen. Think I don't think they're going to cause it to tell them to destroy it. I don't think they're going to do that. But Adobe has shown us you can do it the right way. I've had to pay Getty Images for the mistakes of interns pulling things from Google Images, putting them on yes. blog. I mean, a thousand, well, I've probably paid four thousand dollars over the last ten years uh, to sure. get the images. Images is going to be the easier one to prove too. So that that's definitely, I think that's definitely have some severe ramifications. But the uh, um, the, New York, the the text one's a little more difficult because of the rewriting. But now that they pulled out the poetry, but my my uh, oh the the thing is with um oh no I just forgot what I was going to say. Sorry guys, you go on. It happens. <laughs> um. We should actually, you know what, we're 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 a half hour into the show at this point, and we really want to start talking about SEO because we have one of the you know longest uh, 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 formed SEO agencies sitting right beside us right now. We, do. Um, we really want to. So Google's indexing issue is being reported as vexed. Now, last week's show was all about basically how Google's indexing issue is a metaphor for what WTF Google. Um, so the <laughs> that's a new name. Can we just change it to WTF, WTF Google? Google. <laughs> uh, well, if should Google be around uh, five years from now, that would that would be a wise move. I'm not so sure it's a wise move. Um, <laughs> so the indexing is fixed, though. Has um, what? Anybody have a Google say when and why? I didn't hear why maybe Tony has, but I didn't hear why. They just said it was, they have a timeline. It was fixed in the last 24 hours. Yeah, uh, they, that, they said that, and they said it was fixed. It was fixed a long time ago from it, from actually, I think John, you said it was fixed 
a while ago from it actually affecting anything in uh, in forward-facing indexes. But um, I think that, uh, I don't know, it sounds like it was just a, a some sort of mistake or glitch, um, you know, and it, and they, they didn't notice it until it started affecting search results so and indexing. Ah, oh, machine learning. You don't know it broke anything until you see it and you don't know how to fix it when it does it. <laughs> Oh, that's why I always laugh. So I wish I knew the Google algorithm. Well, nobody can know that. So <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that most Googleites understand the Google algorithm, to be honest. <laughs> I, I know they don't. Oh, no, they're so broken right now. So, yeah. Yeah, they are, they are saying, though, they're going to do a lot of changes in the next few months. So I don't know if that's pulling back on whatever damage was caused by whatever thing that did it or if that's a complete change of something. But when they do and at google like any of you googleites who are listening please like like trust me on this one we grew up together trust me on this one when you remake stuff and explain to the world how stuff got remade be really careful about what words you use to describe what processes uh how you describe what you do dictates how developers, webmasters, um, business people, whomever, think about your product and your environment and how we build sites. It, it has a massive impact. Are you talking about Core Web Vitals and ranking signals? I'm talking about carelessness. <laughs> I'm talking about it's outright true. carelessness. So, so the, I, I was personally involved in this story this week, so I, I will give a take on the CWV. So the Core Web Vitals, Danny was on Twitter and he, a story was written by Barry Schwartz where they kind of said that they've never really said that Core Web Vitals were a ranking, I think, signal or factor, one of the two. And uh, I said, I wrote to Danny, I said, please don't make me go prove that that's not true. And I waited two hours and nothing happened. So I went ahead and screenshot five places that I found it and I put three of them in an image. And it's also called a ranking signal with impact, a ranking factor. Of course, Danny came out yesterday and said those are the same thing as part of the page experience ranking system. So they changed their documentation on one document that said aligns with and rewards. And, and that's so vague and uh, useless as information. But so he still, they still won't clarify whether they changed that it's not a ranking signal anymore or if it's just to change the language. But um, like you said, it's just so unclear and aligns with and rewards is horrible language that will cause so much chaos in the SEO industry. I mean, they came out and said ranking system, uh, E does not a ranking signal this week in the documentation in the new starter guide. And I still had people arguing with me that it was a quality signal, not a ranking signal, and Google's just lying to us. It's like, oh my gosh, be clear, Google, please be clear. Yeah. For what it's worth, I, I think Google's been pretty clear about eat the whole way through as far as no, I'm the following eat they this. have. I'm talking about SEOs the screwed that one up. <laughs> SEOs made, made imagine eat. that. God. <laughs> <laughs> but but did, Google's but... Google's been pretty clear about this, going, hey, you know what? Eat is a philosophy. Even well, no, e -E AT like, is a philosophy. Even, um, even lines with things that may be ranking but may not be, it was still a bit muddy. Well, now they just said no. It just literally says no. Is it a ranking signal? No. So good. <laughs> but people are still arguing about it. Unfortunately. No, it's still, I mean, still, you know, writing is subjective to it. To, I mean, there are there are things that I love to read that most people would say is trash. And and so it's kind of 
hard for Google to be the arbitrator of arbitrate or of who, what is good and what is not. So they create, they try, just like they always try to do everything. They're trying to create the codification of what is good content versus what is not good content. And it's not a, it's definitely not a black and white thing. So eat to me has always just been, a, it's been the, the only way they could say, Hey, this is kind of what we're looking for. You know, um, so when you're writing, think about that as opposed to, I never thought of eat as a ranking signal. Now for web vitals, Christine, to bring it back to that, I did. It I was. know that, that, well, they was, are. that was a ranking. Well, we don't know. That's the well, thing. That's the thing, Jim. And yeah, the, ranking and the signal and ranking factor. Yeah, I want, I want to back away from they are, but they move the needle. There's They no, undeniably no, he, move the needle. He said yesterday that they didn't, and then they said that they did. So yeah. we don't have clarification on whether they well, changed the language or they changed the actual signal. Because there's, there's like five things that go into the page experience ranking system, and all of them are considered signals and except for HTTP, which doesn't have any weight anymore. And then all of them have weight according to all the documentation, except for the two documents, one document yesterday and one today. Well, so there's I'm, two uh, documents that don't say that. I, I kind of like the way Danny tried to clarify it earlier today, um, where he basically said factor and signal are the same thing. They're fuel. And system, that's the vehicle that gets powered by the fuel. Yeah, but that the but I'm saying about the, the CWV though, this is mm -hmm. what they said. We don't confirm any of the things, page experience or core vitals as a direct ranking factor. We but we really we look at many things, not one thing, and even the one thing might be not be a direct ranking factor. It doesn't say directing direct ranking factor. It does say it. It says it in all the documentation until two days ago. So um so it says ranking factor ranking, ranking signal in developer docs and Google Docs and SEO docs and the blog that originally and they haven't clarified yet. Do they, are they all, is it not a ranking signal anymore? Or is it they're just changing the wording to aligns with, which is terrible wording? Well, I mean, and, and what's the real difference between ranking factor and ranking signal? I think Danny, didn't Danny say that was, those were pretty much the same thing? They both, they yeah, both they, mean fuel. Yeah, they are the same thing, but they're not. Um, Ryan, Ryan kind of clarified that as far as the definitions really are. A ranking signal may or may not have weight, but can be factored in in other ways. But the ranking factor always has weight. So like the core web vitals, um, the page experience system has HTTPS in there. And that was had weight for a while. It doesn't have weight anymore, but it's still a check. Whereas the CWVs had weight or may still have weight. We don't know, um, have weight that actually affect the, the ranking itself in the ranking system. So it's ranking signal, ranking factor, ranking system. Ranking signal is could be either either weighted or not. Ranking factor is always weighted. Those combined to create the ranking system. And you know what's really you know you know it's you know it's almost ironic, but not because it's just so dumb. Google just rewrote the SEO starter guide and removed the glossary section from it. Oh my gosh, yeah. Have you read it yet? Like in we just we, we just it. did five <laughs> minutes on three words. Oh, oh, they 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 first of all, okay. So they took out normal jargon. So good luck working with those clients in the future because they have no idea what you're talking about. But second of all, they use words then don't define them. So it's like do image optimization. Okay. What what does that mean? Because I work with clients like that would be reading this. You've worked with clients that are reading this. Yeah, sure. Image optim what is it? What is image optimization? They don't define it well. Like there's a lot of big words, there's a lot of words in there that are jargonish, even though they didn't realize it's jargon, that they don't have definitions for anymore. And they compressed all these sections. And then they took out important things for them to know. Like you need schema. It's gone because it's an advanced concept. So, you know, there's just, there's, I just think it was a very poor rewrite on the, on it. I just, well, you I guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think, do, 
they're trying to they're trying to make it so that it's less confusing by taking out some of those words but in reality what they're doing is now they're forcing people to go and look for the look for those definitions in in other places that are for lack of a better term non-canon they're not they're not what google says so uh so then all of a sudden we've got more confusion coming in as maybe somebody uh, somebody runs a definition that's not quite exactly kosher and it it it, it, it ends up be spreading and then all of a sudden you get people calling you because they read in some newsletter somewhere <laughs> yes. that, you know, that this yeah. is what needs to happen i mean i i've seen we we've all seen that happen in our careers over and over and over again but i think google made a mistake by by rewriting that into a shortened piece uh, without uh w without giving context to some of the people or even you know like you said the glossary or giving links to what these definitions of these words are i mean Come on, Google, you you know what you want in a website. Why can't you create a website that actually adheres to what you want? So is, yeah, exactly. is Google oh, infantilizing its users or underestimating yeah. their intelligence? I think both. I think Google, I think Google's back. Okay, so for a few years, we've had this wonderful journey of trans, trying to be more transparent. We have a ranking systems documentation last year. We have, I think Google's decided we're going to go back to being obtuse in a black box and we're going to make it as difficult as possible to figure out what we're actually doing. So like, cause they took, you know what they took out of the starter guide? The mobile friendliness. Section. Really? Because most platforms are already mobile friendly. That is not true. If no, I that's definitely not site, true. I have I can... to go into the mobile view and create the responsive version of the site. So they took that out. But what does Google rank all websites on? mobile site well i mean so, there's definitely wordpress wordpress themes out there that are launching mobile experiences that are absolutely horrendous yeah <laughs> and, and, and when you build it you literally have to go like i have clients and they'll go in and they go mobile's terrible i go i know we haven't approved the desktop version once we do that i'll make the mobile version because you have to reset a lot of stuff right you have to reset sizes and layouts and all that kind of thing so you don't have a mobile friendly site just because of the theme or what WordPress is mobile friendly. So it's, and there's still big companies using MDOTs, which they told you not to do, I think like a decade ago. Yeah, that was like, a long time ago. Yeah. So, but the idea that in a starter guide for people who know nothing, you take out mobile friendliness, that just like, uh, I just, mm. so I just think that's, you, you, you know, and, and the thing is that on a lot of these WordPress themes are, or I don't care what it is due to anyone, one of them, when you run when you're running uh, through uh, you know a page speed test, uh, the mobile almost always is slower than the desktop, which it really should be the other way around. Um, it's true. But uh, but every time I see that, I see clients coming in, you know, they come in and have a 96 uh, or 97 score on their desktop speed and a 40 or a 30 on their mobile on their mobile, and yeah. that's like just got that. That's to me that that's an issue, and it should be an issue, and and Google should say things like. HP is a factor. We know it's always been it's been a factor for a long time. Um, really check your mobile page speed because that's that's a factor not only for just Google but for uh, people. If it if your mobile site takes five seconds to load, I can guarantee you I'm going to the next site before you even get to show me anything. Yeah, and the, and the thing with that is um, uh, they took out that section of the starter guide too. There's nothing on performance. So nothing on mobile friendliness and nothing on performance. They're too advanced. No, <laughs> like the two things that have significant so, impact on your website, even if let's say CWVs, so, they'd say tomorrow, well, oh, Jim, let me say, the CWVs have no weight. Your users will still leave your site if it's slow, right? So it should be in a basic guide, but they took it out. 
Well, I'm curious if Google's going to be publishing um, stages of, uh, of this kind of guide. You know, we've, we've got the starter guide, and next comes the potty training guide, and next comes the <laughs> we're going to school guide, right? That solid food guide? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, here's how you chew stuff and walk at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just... You know, Google's just gone on this, This I don't know, everything's kind of gone downward. I really blame the CEO, but I may be wrong, but well, it's I mean, just kind of gone downhill. Well, I think it also, it's, it is, a, I'm going to acknowledge it's a hard job for Google to figure out what needs to go in that starter guide. If it, I mean, if my if my 78-year-old mother is trying to start a website, then they got to go a lot more basic even than they already are. But, uh, because, you know, yeah. but for the average yeah. user, someone who's just trying to get started in SEO, I, I think that, you know, having that stuff at least mentioning it in the starter guide so that they can go and do further research seems to seem would seem to be a, a good idea. Yeah. And like when you talk about optimizing images, you might have to give people more information than optimize your images. Like in you, one you might know. say this isn't very helpful content even. It is not very helpful content. It is not. But Google's <laughs> promising and Google's 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 assuring us that there are uh search quality improvements coming in the near future. We're not sure what they are. We're not sure what this means, but we do know that um, given we have evidence, like really, 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 really gratuitous evidence of how bad Google search systems have become, no matter mm -hmm. what signals and factors they're being fueled on. Um, Google's promising change. I wonder what it's going to look like. What do you all think? You go first, Jane, and I'll, I'll say. No, I, I, I want to be an optimist, but it's hard for me to be an optimist on what I, I have a feeling it's going to be more of uh, the SERP is going to look a lot more like um, a place where the information is already all there. Kind of like what, you know, back in the what, late 90s when Yahoo and everybody was trying to everybody, the big buzzword was becoming a portal. You know, they wanted everybody to stick on your website forever. Well, Google now has a chance to kind of do that with knowledge panels and and uh, the Gemini or bar or whatever they call it, you know, creating chats on there. You see Bing doing this. And what that does, though, is that makes SEO. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to SEO for a chat bot right now. It's just it, it my stuff's not going to be cited and it's going to give me no credit or no traffic to my own website. So then all of a sudden you've got uh, your your paid search becoming more and more prevalent on that page as they're, they've got you the information so you can see it if it's an informational based query. But anything that's transactional has to go through the paid search almost right now. I think that or it will in the in the near future. I think that that's kind so of- So the future I'm, of e-com is paid search. That's, that, that's your I gut see, feeling. Yeah, I, I have think, a different different view, but go ahead, Tony, finish I, I think that I think that that makes sense because that, you know, at the end of the day, Google is a, is an entity that, that is trying to make money through and is a publicly traded company that that has to show growth almost every. But aren't they wildly stabbing at a golden goose here? Yeah. See, so my feeling is just so I have two feelings. One, the mess that we have right now is because, and this is just my belief, they amped up neural matching, which is a deep relevance text model that only uses document text and query text. And guess who's really, really good, really, really good at getting queries to match their document text? Spammers. So I'm not saying core ranking signals went away, but I think they've been tamped down to to increase this because in their research document, they say how this is such a superior way to do document relevancy for queries. But of course, in the pra real practice, it would not be because, again, spammers. And what are we seeing rise to the top? Spam. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but uh, the other thing on what you guys are saying, 
Uh, this is different to me. So if we have like an update and it knocks you down 70, 90%, you have hope you're gonna get that traffic back. So you'll pay for the ads in the, in the meantime. But when you do these AI things, like the, the bot, the chatbots, the, the, the Gemini now not barred, they don't have hope for that. And so the sites that are underneath that are paying for all these ads, they're not gonna have money to pay for the ads because they're not gonna get the traffic and it's not gonna come back. There's no way to fix it. There's no way to fix if Google starts or like Bing has said, they're gonna, I mean, so Microsoft said they're gonna stop focusing on Bing and more on Copilot because um, in search now, like 70% of searches are through that. Well, what happens when Copilot's just an app and the websites underneath aren't getting any traffic because it's just summarizing everything and putting it in front of you? Well, the websites don't get any traffic, they're not gonna exist. So I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. They're so concentrating on making money from this and turning it into like competing with each other. No one thinks about the fact that you and I all know, most companies, unless you're a major Fortune 500, are hanging by a shoestring. So their traffic goes away, 30%, 40% because of this. Let's say you have some links and some people click. They're gone. These websites are dead. They're dead in the water. The businesses are gone. And mom and pops will be figuring out what they're going to do to put food on the table. I would be interested to uh, to know what Google's seeing as far as paid search click-throughs. How many, uh, what are, what uh, can, you know, breaking them down by informational versus transactional. What is the percentage of, of searches that are actually getting a click through where Google's making um, some money on that. Um, are, are they seeing data that the informational searches just aren't making them as, as much money or uh, are, are not as valuable to them as a transactional? Because I would think that, you know, if Google could figure out how to do it where they can, you know, for, they can keep everybody on their own page and not get sued for it, not, you know, all that, keep everybody on that one page, but just to have transactional type uh, links, like say, say, for instance, you're looking for the history of Nike well, there's a place where you can buy Nike, but it's got all of the information on that page. So you don't have to go to another site to read about the history of Nike. Then um, I, think gonna be happy. I think Google's going to be happy with that because they can embed ads throughout whatever, wherever they want. But it's but it's going to kill like a site that has, that has ads on it that talks about Nike or, you know, and a lot of the, you know, basically the AdSense type ads that are where those the sites that are making their money off of ads. But they can't here's, pay for the ads either. That's the problem. Here's the thing. I don't work for Nike specifically, but I work for some e-com companies that sell real products. You need to buy this product, put your hands on it, and go out in the field and use it. Those kind of things. Um, you know, like rooms, but better. People are always looking for these products. They have to buy them somehow. They have to buy them somewhere. The um, generated text will tell me all about the product. It'll summarize everything that's ever been written about the product. But Google's got to refer people somewhere. And I don't think people are going to want just one reference. I think people will still want a choice of references. Tony, in your world, people are paying for those references, much like they were doing at um, uh, Alibaba a few years ago. Right. Um, Christina, your world, there's still 10 blue links somewhere, but they're sort of covered by this massive amount of generated text, right? And so, most of my clients, but the way, the way I see it is most people don't purchase, go to a search engine and purchase, and they don't just get a summary and purchase. We do, like I like most people, oh. I do a, a search for reviews, I do a search for the product, I look for mm -hmm. information on it, if it's a big purchase, over $100. But eventually so, you got to buy it somewhere. But But, when, but I don't. I don't go through Google search to buy it. I go to the, I go to Amazon or the, I don't use Amazon, but I go to the websites to buy it. But okay. but the the point being is 
if you're just giving people one result, that's not going to satisfy their need to do the research to feel comfortable in buying product. Which and if makes which makes me think Google won't do that. Well, that's what they're talking about, Gemini and this. I mean, right? you don't think that Google, like, say for so say big screen TVs. If you're if you're looking for a big screen TV, you don't think Google's going to create a, a a knowledge panel with all the specs of the the best selling TVs, and then there's ads above where you can buy those those same TVs. But they Google's already kind of given you uh, here's here's the type of thing, here's the cost, here's what uh, the features are, and so you can already you know make your decision there. It's not going to be that quick of a decision if you want more in-depth research, that's, you know, there's definitely going to be people that are, that are going to want that in other places, but is Google going to be directing them there or is it, or is Google going to try and direct them further into um, the information within, within Google's, you know, Gemini project, uh, which, which is going to get the preference there. If they, if they have, a, if they have 10 blue links, but they have a whole paragraph above those 10 blue links coming from Gemini. Are, what is the traffic impact going to be on those 10 blue links? Well, the traffic impact is going to be great. But what I'm trying to say, though, is those 10 blue links, those sites are not going to be able to afford, because most of the sites also have ads on them and they're getting some money for ads. So right. so those sites are not going to be able to afford to continue with Google. I also think if this is the direction being in Google Go, there's room for a third search engine that doesn't do this. Because I want to go in and I want to do research. Maybe I'm not everybody, but when I look at the bypass of people, when I do the research on that, people are not just going straight to the search engine and buying things. And they're not just wanting the specs to buy things, right? So like when I buy a TV, the first time I bought like a, a digital one, because I had a TV lasted for a long time. So this is only like six years ago. I didn't know what the refresh rate meant. What is the pseudo refresh rate with the real refresh rate? I had to do research on all that, right? And there are a lot of things you have to do research on before you purchase. Uh, clothing's another thing. As a female, the clothing sizes are never consistent. They're always different. You have to do research. So, so you have to do research. And, and if you're just getting a summary result, that's not research. That's just going to feel like Google's giving you something. And then the sites underneath aren't going to be able to afford to pay Google for do the ads remember anyway, consumer, for the product feeds. You do remember consumer behavior during the pandemic and what passed for research then, right? I don't really think they care. No, they did. That there was a long. In fact, there's a bunch of articles on the long bypass during the pandemic. Well, I, mean, I did. You know, I just actually wrote a a, a blog post on my site at Red IMC about multivariate test and multivariate conversion tracking and mm -hmm. why it's so important. And I think that comes. We don't even have most most people aren't even doing that to understand how their audience is reacting. So the fact that you know it's it, it's still people are on sitting on a last click mentality of where that traffic is coming from. It's really hard to understand those bypaths and see to, to understand if, you know, what's coming next, is that gonna be, uh, is is it gonna be paid? Is it gonna be um, informational? How are we getting people there? You know, is it multi-touch, et cetera? That, those are all questions that I have as these new SERPs, SERP features start to roll out. I mean, already we've just seen, you know, in the last five years, we've seen such a change in what the, end product of the SERP looks like, uh, you know, it's, it's affected, it's affected consumer behavior, not that the pandemic didn't more than anything else. In fact, I kind of say anything pre-pandemic, you might as well just kind of throw that data, <laughs> look, at yeah. it, look at it with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> but, By the, oh, go ahead, Tony. Yeah, but I think that, I think that it's, it's really going to be um, important for, for site owners to really watch what those paths are and be able to cut to be able to kind of predict what will happen when Google changes something up. That's the big thing about our industry that I actually love is that it changes all the time. Um, but it's not really that great for 
someone who you know they set up a site and then forgets about it or wants to set it up and forget it because that it just doesn't work well no i mean like your your website is still very much a living breathing thing much like a storefront and like every storefront you need to do maintenance on it the uh, trim needs to be painted the front needs to be swept um every once in a while you got to move your inventory around or your consumers get bored etc like your your website is a living being and it always will be oh and stuff breaks for no reason whatsoever it just does Oh, by the way, um, just to interject this, Pedro Diaz, every, you guys all know Pedro, right? Yes. And used to work at Google. He gave his initial review on, on Twitter on uh, on Gemini. <laughs> um, 30 minutes in, I'm already convinced this is a massive flop. Doesn't even come close to the widespread GPT-4. I did read researchers say it's not better than GPT-4. So, um, so there you go. <laughs> you know, whenever at our age, whenever anybody starts out a sentence with, you know, so-and-so, Thank goodness he put something up on the web. But I'm really <laughs> pleased about that. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Pedro used to work at Google and search. So he's he's got a pretty informed opinion on these things. But he's also very direct. And right now it is he says it's a total flop. So okay, Tony, right IMC has been around again pretty much as long as I remember. Um it's been a fixture in the in the Austin. Seventeen uh, seventh or eighteenth year. 18th year. Okay. It's been a fixture in the Austin, in the Austin uh, awesome. tech scene. Um, helped form the, uh, the, 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 my goodness, I'm going to completely the Dallas, Fort the, name. the Dallas Fort Worth Search Engine Marketing Association. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, one of the largest search marketing associations uh, in, 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 in the country and probably arguably in the world. Um, but this is an uncertain future. This is a, this is a really scary time for um, people, people working in the practice of, of, of doing search. You're an agency owner. Looking mm -hmm. forward, what are you um what are you putting resources into, and where do you think you're going to have to scale back? Well, I think we're we're. To I'm, honest, sorry, I'm sorry about I'm sorry about the way I phrased that question. Uh, forget the scale back part. That's not a not a well, fair question. Well, like you know, five years ago we were putting a very heavy emphasis on link building, and um, we just found that the return was not quite there for what you know we're we still do public relations type link building, but I don't do it for the link anymore. Uh, as yeah. much as I used to. It's more for the story and the exposure and getting out on other people's sites. Um, and we're really focusing a lot on that. We're still focusing a lot of resources on technical SEO because I can tell you still, no matter what, if the foundation of your website isn't isn't good, then no matter what you try to do uh, in the future, it's probably not going to be as optimal as you want it to be. Uh, so it's still do a lot of technical SEO, but I think that that is going to be I'm most kind of, I think that that will be in the next three to five years, technical SEOs are going to be a lot easier to do just because of AI. We've already seen a lot of things that are easier to do now because of AI. And it'll get to the point where instead of having to have four developers on something, you can have one developer on it um, type of thing uh, on, you know, big, pro big web projects, et cetera. Uh, and we're also invest, you know, heavily into paid, um, especially paid uh, beyond search, you know, looking at Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, all the other, uh, all those other peripheral social media places. It's more of a branding play than an actual mission, what I call mission centric uh, search, you know, in Google, that's the greatest thing in the world is you're getting pr the person right there when they're looking for uh, your product or service. Um, you know, you get an ad on Facebook, you may or may not need it. You may not, your TikTok, you may or may not want that particular product at that time. Um, but we're, you know, we're navigating those waters, really expanding in our in our paid stuff. Um, and then I think the bigger, the biggest thing that uh, 
I'm looking for, I'm looking at is uh, we're trying to make it easier for the, our customer or our clients, our consumers. We're offering more things like we've now got a, pro, a program where it's basically turn, we call it turnkey marketing. Basically, we become your marketing department completely. You don't have to have a team, or if you do have a team, then uh, we kind of put somebody in as a fractional CMO, like myself or one of my um, one of my senior folks, and they run they run the team for the other for the client, um, where the client doesn't really have to do anything except for look at the results, and then if the results are they like, they they keep going. If they don't like the results, <laughs> they fire us. You know? And I I'd like to interject something really quick, just because this is personal. But uh, I've known Tony, gosh, Tony, how long have I known her? 2007 or uh, I think we met around like, 2006, 2005, something okay. like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, I just want to give a personal recommendation to anyone who likes what Tony does, because Tony is one of the most honest and generous and uh, best people I know. And he's also really, really good at what he does. And I wanted Thank to bring in one. You're welcome. I wanted to tell people that. And um, one other thing that you do that a lot of people probably don't know SEOs do is online reputation management. Yes. Which can be super important these days, especially when people are looking for work and things like that. I'll you tell you, that yeah, sure. Um, I it kind of started that um, back a long time ago before I was even owned an agency. Uh, I was with a big PR firm called Weber Shanwick. My client was American Airlines and I ended up running just about everything on the American Airlines crisis response for 9-11. Oh, that takes me how, how old I am. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot that. of stories about that. Um, you know, uh, but uh, the big thing there is, you know, that got me on the crisis team at Weber. So I know crisis PR. I know how to respond in crisis. But as you know, search has always been that's I got out of PR because I fell in love with search and I started my own agency just, you know, to concentrate on search, even though now we've kind of gone full circle. But um, but I uh, but people need now is, you know, something negative is written about you shows up. You need help. uh to either move that thing down, which I don't like to tell people we're going to move something down. What I say is we're going to create a better, better digital presence for you. We're going to create oh, I like that. a side of the story, you know, yeah. and then reviews are the same type of thing, you know, responding to reviews. Look, you know, people come to me sometimes and they, you know, they get 10 total reviews and five of them are negative. Like, what can we do? Well, honestly, the best thing we can do is go get more positive reviews because five negative reviews on 10, 10 total reviews looks like you're a bad company. Five negative reviews on 250 or 500 positive reviews looks like five people had a bad day. Um, you know, uh, and so, you know, but we also, you know, in, within that we get into a lot of management of the GMBs and and how, you know, and, and looking at alternatives for getting rank, you know, getting uh, reviews from your customers uh, using a lot of different tools or there's, I found that there's not one tool that's really great for everybody. It's, it depends on your situation, what your point of sale system is, what, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So we do a lot of that work type of work. Um, it's not something we heavily, heavily advertise, especially on the crisis side. I don't want I don't, I'm too old for crisis work. The two, the 2 a.m. phone call. <laughs> are, yeah, that's uh, a lot. That's a lot. I can't do those anymore, but we can definitely help you with, uh, basically, Diluting the impact of something negative, like a review or somebody a negative uh, article about you. Um, even you know, we've even worked with some restaurants that had some negative critic reviews, uh, you know, over the years uh, to kind of tell their side of the story, et cetera. Um, that have basically mitigated the effect of of a bad review. 
And it's such a necessary service, especially for businesses. I've had some businesses that like they didn't do anything wrong and they just got dogpiled online and um, mm -hmm. or, you know, like there's one we worked with years ago. I don't do RM anymore, but when I used to, when I worked with uh, Dave, the former co-host here, um, you know, we had a, a CEO of a company and they're about to go IPO. And some guy from his younger days just didn't like him and wrote all these horrible articles in a very respected, you know, publication. And so, you know, they didn't do anything. The guy didn't do anything wrong. The guy just didn't like him. So they had to get those like pushed down before they went IPO or to the IPO, things like that. So it's just, so it's a really necessary function, you know, I, I, and it's, it's not like you're like getting like the murderer like buried in search. You know? I know. Yeah. But, I mean, and there's, we get those sometimes where uh, we won't take, there are certain cases I won't take, you know, um, yeah. anything having to do with uh, children or anything like I, I'm, I'm staying away from that. But, but for instance, one of the, I'm kind of passionate about this one vertical um, because uh, the mental health uh, vertical is mm. being under attack by reviews, specifically psychiatrists more so than therapists, but it's because of people going into the psychiatrist wanting a specific, wanting specific medications that are, oh. that won't be prescribed by your physician, say Vyvanse or uh, Adderall or, you know, a lot of, there's a Xanax, Ambien, your primary care physician, those are schedule one drugs. They probably aren't going to prescribe them for you because every time they do that, they get looked at by the DEA. Um, whereas psychiatrists are expected to do that. People go to multiple psychiatrists trying to get the drugs. The psychiatrist says, no, they are very likely to go and write a really negative review about you with false things in it. Um, yeah, true, uh, true. And so we've been, we, we started with one psychiatry firm about five years ago. And, and I noticed this. And so now we've been really marketing to mental health providers, uh, rehabil rehabilitation centers, um, uh, psychiatrists, therapists, uh, something that I really think that it's, 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 it's so bad how hard it is to find a therapist right now. Um, if you just go try to search and look for a therapist that'll meet your needs, it, it's, they're not, very, they're not out there um, in a lot of ways, or it's hard, really hard. Their websites are so canned and they've got some, you know, horrible SEO because they can't afford, the, you know, the writing articles that are ne not necessarily uh, helping anyone make a decision on if this is the right person to go to, et cetera. And so I would, you know, my goal is to, I would love to get that mental health uh, world a little bit more searchable. Um, but in order to do that, we also have to get honest reviews. And right now, a lot of the psychiatrists that you go and look at, they have deflated reviews because of the drug seekers that come into their office and then really do a number on them coming back. And we had one lady that, that actually created 25 different profiles to, to go after one of our, one of the, the clients. Well, um, that'll show some expertise in a field, won't it? <laughs> wow. That's horrible. I guess, I guess she had ADD or something. Cause I, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of the double whammy that that people get hit with there. Um, reviews being so important to a website. Um, a therapist website being a your money or your life site so getting faced with like super extra scrutiny yes. um that's that, that, that's a terrible dilemma it is well i mean in, in what google's actually done with the rehabilitation centers lately because there are a bunch of there's a bunch of scammy people in that industry as well but the legit ones can't even advertise and it's uh it's a shame to me that, that, that people are, are having trouble finding a legitimate um, help for, for, you know, alcohol and drug addictions than, and, and because of these 
uh, scammy ones that Google just uh, won't allow. They said, oh, the whole industry's gone. Sorry. Just, yeah, just, just... They, uh, they, our friends were talking last night how hard it is to find anybody. A friend had lost their therapist because they moved, and they're just having the worst time finding people. So it's a and really it's not... laudable thing to try to help them, you know, find, you know, because by cleaning it up, you're helping to find the good people. And I think this is something a lot of people aren't necessarily, especially if they're first time looking for a therapist, they're not going to go to their friends and ask for recommendations. Yes. They're going to be doing that research online and, and having it uh, to where they can, you know, see the see the options and, and which one fits best for them. Because there are therapists that are great for some people and horrible for other people. That's, you know, and so I really encourage my uh, the people that we're working with to really put it out there. What are you about? You know, what? What what is your style, et cetera? So, I'm afraid we're getting close to the to the to the end of the hour. In fact, I think we've probably stepped over it a little bit. But I'm, but the studio's indulgence. I got one more one more question. Uh, Tony, you've as I, as I said earlier, you but you are one of the um, longest practicing agency owners um, in the business right now. You've seen. Uh, over a decade and a half, two decades or so of immense change in the industry. You've um, uh, participated in uh, several initiatives that have changed and improved the industry over, over your time. If you were getting starting a career today and looking at um, search SEO or or even even um, informa IT information retrieval as a career path, um, would you do it or would you choose something else? I would definitely choose something in marketing. I mean, I'm always... I, I always say we're marketers first, technologists second. I just happen to love technology as well as marketing. But, you know, my first, my, I really wanted to be an advertising creative director back in the day. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, come up with fun little things. And, um, and I've gotten to do that, but uh, over, over my career, but it was at a time when search was evolving and it was so exciting. The tech world is, was so exciting. And I think it still is. I think that there, it's going to change. If you like change, it's it, this industry, it will continually change because we have to continue. We things that worked 50 years ago, things that worked 20 years ago, things that worked five years ago may not necessarily work now. Consumer behavior changes based upon uh, environmental factors, also based upon if, you know, a tactic works. We are as marketers and specifically as SEOs, we are known to beat it to death until it doesn't work. So, yes. um, you know, right now, if I, get, if I get one more email from somebody telling me they can give me a, th they can give me 20 leads a week, you know, from some, just basically using email funnels and, uh, and cold calling, I, I will scream because I know, that they, <laughs> I, know I know that they can't, but I'm still getting, I'm still getting 10 to 15 of those emails every day. Oh yeah. Same here. So it, it's, you know. At I've one got, time, half of two guest blogs today. At, at <laughs> one time, place. half the boiler rooms in the Chicago Loop were run by companies like that. Yep, and and they're still they're still running. Those types of companies are still running. They're overseas or in, but it's uh, but it's not as effective as it was as it once was. I know I know that because of people that I've talked to that have used these services. They're basically you pay them three or four three to five thousand dollars. They send out a ton of emails and you might get one or two appointments and that's about it. Yeah. The, uh, it's been a wild ride through the, through the Absolutely years. Absolutely. It has. And Actually, I'm talking to my kid, trying to get my kids to take over my business and I don't think they have any interest. So oh, I, thought, I, I thought, I thought, I thought your oldest was going to be a big league pitcher. 
<laughs> there, he would. That's what he would like. In fact, he has a scrimmage this weekend. So, but uh, no, my oldest, my oldest actually is at, at Texas Tech, wanting to be a meteorologist. Um, but I was talking to them about, hey, who wants to take over Dad's business? And all of them are like, no, you, what you do is boring. And to me, <laughs> what I do is anything. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so yeah, because I get bored easily, and so the great thing about what we do is it changes all the time, and we're always learning. So. Yeah. I gotta take us out. We are so passed yeah, out of I time. Know, so if, you, if you got something, go, go, go. I just wanted to say uh, this is about Tony. It's about the CWVs earlier. The SGE is still calling it a major ranking factor. So to say that. So I just showed up on my thing because we were looking it up earlier and I was like, let me hit the SG. Oh, major ranking factor. We are just <laughs> going to punch this horse. <laughs> we are going to punch this horse until they clarify it. So I can tell my clients the right thing. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, Tony Wright, founder and CEO of Wright, I Wright IMC. Uh, this has been a really fun hour. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's great Thank talking you guys to so you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming, Tony. Of course. Okay, friends, that was Tony Wright uh, from uh, Wright IMC. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, drop by for supper or check out the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Marketing <laughs> Association. Um, uh, definitely, definitely check out um, Tony at PubCon. Um, Tony and Ed Christine are, are both going to be there in the uh, incredibly affordable PubCon block of rooms yes. at, the, at the Luxor. I will not um, be attending. I will just be at the hotel, but you can come have a drink with me. In, uh, and the incredibly <laughs> affordable block of rooms. Yes, $45. <laughs> okay, friends, we've gone full clock. I know there's, there's a bunch of people outside of the office stomping their, uh, virtually stomping their feet impatiently. So on behalf of Christine Shackage from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedge for Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology, recorded live to live to podcast on WMR.FM on the 8th of February, 2024. Biggest love to Audience Key, to Ricky and Brandy and George and Darren. And uh, stay well, be kind to each other, rank well. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>